to the Unsettling Knowledge podcast. My name is Melina and we are back with the third and final part to our inclusion series where we speak with students who are refugees and hear about their experience. Today we are very happy to be joined by our guest Fatma as she offers an insight into her experience relocating to the Netherlands with a different perspective. I hope you enjoy. Hi, uh, I'm 24 years old and uh, I'm living in the Netherlands currently. I'm originally from Turkey and I moved to the Netherlands around three years ago um, as a refugee with my family. Um, Currently, I'm enrolled in Utrecht University as a research master's student in the field of linguistics. And I am a previous um, English, Turkish and um, French translation and interpretation graduate from Turkey. Wow. Okay. so how many languages do you speak? Well, um, if I count Dutch, I don't think I can right now. I speak three and a half. Wow. Um, but yeah. So that's French, Turkish, English, and then half Dutch. English. Yes. How, how is learning Dutch right now, by the way? It's going well. Um, I live quite uh, far from Utrecht. So the Dutch courses I'm taking are, are in Groningen. Okay. But... Um, so going back and forth is a little bit difficult. Therefore, I have to find another course in Utrecht. But so far, I'm up to the level B1, I think. Oh, nice. I have to continue from B1. But it's going well. I can talk in trains and libraries. So that's okay. Wow, that's really good. Wow. So obviously, you've moved over from Turkey then. How was that initial experience sort of, sort of moving and relocating to the Netherlands? Um, well, Because of my dad's job for a really long time, um, I moved from several cities to several countries my whole life. But I don't think any of them were as difficult as this experience. Um, Because initially it wasn't my choice and it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, So that experience, the beginning of that experience, and especially the first year in the refugee camp, um, was not the best experience I had. Um, but it did get better occasionally and over time, yes. Mm-hmm. When you were in the camp, you were with your whole family, right? Yes, yes. And and how was that living as a family with other families, I guess, were also there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the house that, well, I think it's called a container. I'm not sure if that's the correct word in English, but it's it's a small house and it has three rooms. Originally, it's supposed to fit three different families in there. But um, if you're a family over three, I think, and like if you have more members, um, then you get two rooms. So my brother and I shared a room and my parents shared a room. And then there was another family living with us. Um, but right before we moved to the camp, um, I had been living on my own for about four years. So moving in with my wow. family was already difficult enough. But now I had to live also with a different family whom I've never met in my life. Um, So that was difficult, especially the first six, seven months trying to get used to sound, trying to get used to living with your own family, trying to share a room with your brother um, in a very, very small room. Um, A lot of my time was outside of the camp, well, um, outside of the room, especially. But other than that... um, I think over time you just kind of have to deal with it and you get used to it. So there's not as much as fights, but there's much there's much more calmness afterwards. Yeah, 
after experience a lot of independence I'm sure that would have been a very different scenario for you yeah so at that point you weren't enrolled at Utrecht at that point right no no I was not so what was it that you were mainly doing yeah outside of the camp I was trying to um experience different Dutch cities I think I was I was trying to go more down to Amsterdam and Utrecht and Rotterdam just so I could get used to um, the environment more because in the camp you are very um, aware that you are a refugee in a camp so that that makes living a lot more difficult than it um, could be Mm -hmm. but um, I also had a couple of things I was doing in the camp as well. I was a violin teacher to many, mm-hmm. many students. And I was also working in a recreation room with like games and everything. So other kids or um, young people could come in and play games just to have fun. Wow, that's amazing. And I assume you learned the violin when you were younger then. Yes, yes. Um, th- there was a music room, which was, I think, one of the most fun things we did in the camp. Mm-hmm. But in the music room, I went with my brother and sometimes we took videos of singing or playing guitar or something. Or sometimes I would just give violin lessons to um, other members in the camp. That's so sweet. Was it difficult? Um, like, could you sense sort of a community within the camp or was it more difficult? It was a great community. And to be honest, I met very amazing people. One of them is still my best friend and I see her almost every week. Um, but I think that was one of the biggest advantages I had in that camp. Um, we met great people in the community. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything particularly difficult that you found during that process? Um, I think the most difficult thing was trying to get myself used to the environment. It wasn't specifically something that I experienced, but it was more about myself. So I had to um, try and learn to integrate with my peers and integrate to the environment that I was in. Um, So maybe trying to change my mindset was a little bit difficult for me. It wasn't, like I said, something that I experienced because everyone was very, very friendly. I don't think I've ever had a bad experience in the camp or during any of those processes, uh, as in, having the interviews with the IND or going to the police station. I don't think any of those experiences were bad per se, but um, my mindset was not very healthy at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. It's obviously um, a lot to take in, but I'm glad that the experience that you felt from others was nice as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you were visiting, obviously you mentioned the other cities, did you have a favorite Mm -hmm. one that you found that you liked the most? Mm -hmm. The first city I went to was Amsterdam and um, I, I really liked it there because I felt that it looked quite similar to the place I lived in when I was in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And it was um, very uh, at the beginning stages of the time where we were staying in the camp. So it was, I think, two months later. So um, it was the first time I left the camp and it was the first time I, ha- I started seeing other people. So that was my favorite city. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to live or start studying there. But then um, things obviously change after you start getting used to the country. But yeah, Amsterdam was my favorite. Amsterdam and Utrecht, they, they, they are very 
big places compared to the place I was staying in. We were in Balk, I think that's how you pronounce it. And Balk is a very, very small um, community. I, I don't think you could call it a city. I don't know. I don't want to offend anybody. But um, it was very small. So compared to that, I don't think I was seen in Utrecht or Amsterdam. Because okay. there were so many people, but yeah. in the community that we were living in, in the camp and in that city, um, we were welcome. I don't think I experienced any kind of bad emotions while I was outside of the camp, but in that city, everyone was very welcoming. That's really good. Yeah, Amsterdam specific, especially is very diverse as well. Um, mm-hmm. It feels much more like a safer environment, really, knowing that it's so diverse as well. People are just mm-hmm. a bit more open with their views and things. Yeah. How was it starting university then? Because obviously you you said you did translation studies before, right? Mm-hmm. Then how how did you find doing this research masters? Um, so before moving here, my uh, well, while I was studying my bachelor's in Turkey as well, I was very excited to start a master program after my studies. Um, so moving here was the first step for me to start looking for a university or start. Um, doing something in the university for my master's program. But the system, the education system here is very, very difficult compared to the one in Turkey. Mm-hmm. So getting used to that was, um, took quite some time. When we moved here, I was 21 and I had just graduated and now I'm 24, I'm just starting my master's program. So um, if we don't count the first year where I was in the camp and I was not even able to start the program, the other two years, um, were the years I had to get used to the system in order to start sending in applications for the master program. Mm -hmm. So that was the most difficult thing. I I think, I don't think I had enough information about how I should have started sending in my applications. Mm -hmm. So that was the bumpy road. But um, the way I started was after some time in the camp, I found out about inclusion. And I thought maybe that could be a good way to start setting a foot into the university in order to start my master's program. And I think that was a very right decision for me at the time. Um, But we had COVID, so it was still not possible to go to the university to start meeting peers or students or teachers. So even if it was, even if everything was online, it was the first step into the university and that that was a good experience. And you're enjoying the master's course now? Um, I haven't started. I start in September. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And do you get to do an internship with it or is it? Um, it's a research program. I think there is an internship, but I think it's on the second year. Yeah. I'm not, That that's very shameful for me to say. I'm not sure though. No, no, don't worry. <laughs> There's honestly so much information that you get given before you start a program as well. Yes. Um, but it's nice that you're going to be able to go into class as well because obviously COVID means it's not online anymore so that'll be a really nice experience as well the study of the program Mm -hmm. have you looked into that to to see the similarities between that and what you studied in your bachelor's in terms of the way things are graded and Mm -hmm. the grading system is very different um but I don't that was one of my least worries I think when I started um the education system when I started learning about the education system here um So the way I write my motivation letter in order to get into a university in Turkey is much, much different than the way I need to be writing a motivation letter here in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Um, 
my reference letters, they have to be in a certain way. And that's not the way I'm used to writing or reading them or achieving them from um, teachers. So, sorry, receiving them from teachers. So either way, I have to get my documents in the perfect shape to send into the university. And I don't know what that perfect shape is. Mm -hmm. So it took me around two years to start getting um, used to that perfect shape. Mm -hmm. and start writing motivation letters in that way or start asking for reference letters from my teachers in that particular way. So I think getting used to the system was more difficult than the two different programs itself. Mm -hmm. Aside from inclusion, was there any other like assistance uh, in terms of helping you get into universities that was offered or would be offered? Um, The university offers different kinds of help um, in order to get into these programs mm-hmm. I did consult one person from Utrecht and I did consult one person from Amsterdam um, to be honest they weren't too much of help um, I got more help from my classmates I got a lot of help from um, people who are studying the program right now the master's program and I got a lot of help from my teachers whom I met through inclusion so I think it was um, use, more useful to start speaking with people who were already involved in school rather than yeah. getting some kind of consultation from school. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that sounds like it would be the best idea. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so exciting that you're starting in September as well. Um, Very. I, I just wanted to ask, what drew you to translation and linguistic studies? Um, well, I don't remember when, but... When I was in fourth grade, we moved from Turkey to the United States with my parents. And we stayed there for about five years. My dad did his master's and doctor program in the United States. And that was that was the beginning of what started shaping my career because I started learning English there. Mm-hmm. And after moving back to Turkey, I noticed that it wasn't just the language that I acquired, but it was also the culture that I was most used to because I lived there for so long. It wasn't a Turkish person that was living their life. It was half Turkish, half American. And I noticed that it wasn't just English that I was very interested in. It was also other languages that I started learning on my own, that I started doing research on my own. So when we started, when I I started high school in Turkey, so when I did that, I was 90% sure I wanted to do something with languages Mm -hmm. but um, in Turkey there are so many um, careers that you can pursue that actually brings you money so um, which is very sad in that case but um, if I wanted to do something with languages it had to be either teaching or translation and translation involves a lot of cultures in it and it, it was very interesting and it was very fun and I liked speaking a lot So I thought that that would be a good career choice for me. Mm -hmm. And after starting my university program in um, translation and seeing different linguistics courses, I thought that I was very interested in phonetics and phonology and morphology. So I thought maybe for my master's program, I could just dive more into that. Ah, That sounds exciting. No, I'm very happy that you've been able to get into a program and master's that you really enjoy as well. Thank you. Yes. And maybe just to turn to kind of what's going on currently with a lot of things. Obviously, there's 
um, the big conflict going on with Russia and Ukraine. And there's been a lot of talk on the media about refugees from Ukraine coming to um, places in Europe. And there's been great opportunities, really, that have been offered to them, whether it's um, being able to get a fast track of a work permit, um, getting mm-hmm. funding, getting housing, um, just overall, just things are moving a lot quicker with them. Um, and I just wanted to maybe ask if you had a sort of an opinion or view about that, maybe as yourself. Um, when I compare to today, like the refugee status in 2022, we arrived here in 2019 and it was right before COVID. Mm-hmm. So when I compare that, I don't know if they're getting their residence permit earlier because they're from Ukraine or is it we got it later because there was COVID. Mm-hmm. So I don't know enough about it to be able to say something because I don't I really um, don't want to be biased. Of course. Um, but I there's an obvious um I don't know how to say it. There is an obvious way that they do get more um, help in that case. I really don't know how to put that in words. Mm-hmm. Um, and my opinion on that is, I think older refugees or other refugees from other countries maybe should get more explanation to why there's such a big difference, if there is that difference. Um And if not, maybe there's something that they know about the situation that we're not aware of. Um, Like I said, there is an obvious difference, but I don't know if that difference is because they're from Ukraine or if because that was during COVID. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you see the things, I don't know if you've seen things on the media or people discussing it or anything when it all started really happening, um, did you have initial thoughts about it or was it very much just like, oh, this could be because of COVID and, and yeah. Um, I have a Ukrainian friend here. She's a very close friend and um, she struggles the way I did. Okay. She, she's here. I think it's been three or four months. And um, right now she's also looking for work. She's also looking for places where she can start. Well, she can continue her studies and she's all over the place. But uh, whenever I give her some kind of solution or I'm like oh you can do this instead of this she already knows that way and she she already she's already done that so she's maybe four or five steps ahead of where I was when I was in her shoes okay um so seeing that initially makes me think well yeah then you must have gotten some kind of information that I did not get when I first arrived here so th- that that's not the best feeling, to be honest, mm-hmm. because um, having to find all of that information by yourself is a big struggle, especially, I mean, it's, struggle, it's a struggle for all ages, but especially right after you graduate, I, I did not even have my diploma when I came here. So everything was very new and everything was very scary. And not being able to obtain that information beforehand um, and trying to acquire all that information by myself was quite difficult. And seeing that this could have happened much more earlier in that process, mm-hmm. that does um, give a sense of the question why, like, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make me feel very happy for her because I know her process is going very, very fast. And that's, it's amazing to see. 
initially it does make you think why but sometimes um i do think maybe it was just because during that time everything was very new not also not just for us but for the government here um and with covid i don't think anybody knew what they were doing as well um but like i said there's two sides to the story so maybe it could be because of countries maybe it could be because of covid and i don't know which one so no i i completely see that point i think as well it's important to say that it's not um like you were you're not unhappy that ukrainian refugees are getting help like mm-hmm. it should be no, like that and it should be like that for every refugee um yes. and the process should be made easier no matter what situation is going on or what country you're coming from and mm-hmm. um yeah there definitely shouldn't be some sort of split or divide definitely um no matter what the reasons are but i i um i would say like i'm happy that you've had like a relatively um positive experience moving to the netherlands Mm -hmm. um i know i've spoken to some people who have had quite negative interactions with a lot of dutch people who kind of Mm -hmm. have formed certain opinions about refugees when they find out that Mm -hmm. they are um or you know they they kind of agree with stereotypes that have kind of gone around as well but you yourself haven't been kind mm-hmm. of founded in that um yes i think from the day we set foot into the netherlands um i've had i think 95 99% of the time very good experiences with the people whom i've come across with mm-hmm. and um all of these people who are dutch not not just dutch but also from other nationalities and from other countries I don't think I've come across anyone who did not make me feel safe or did not make me feel welcome at all. I had worse, much worse experiences about that in Turkey with um people who are from my nationality um make you feel less welcome in your own country than they did here. Right. Okay. So so I I'm uh I don't have any negative comments about that. I'm very happy that this is the country that we chose to come to um things just could have been easier yes understandable yes what would you like people to know about refugees or people coming into into the netherlands and kind of joining the society is there anything that you would like people to know um i would like to say two different things for both perspectives i think um as a refugee and as a person who recently graduated before moving to a different country as a refugee it was uh, i felt as everything had just finished for me um and i think i want to let newcomers know that giving yourself time is the most important part because um i thought that at the age of 21 it was very um late to start something all over but my parents mm-hmm. were 47 and I don't think they felt that late as much as I did so even if you give yourself 3 years off or 2 years off or you have to wait for something because you have to or because you have to wait for something because you just don't know the system to it it's it's not a big problem you really can overcome it you just need the time it, it sounds very cliche but um i don't feel that those 3 years were lost i think that was one of the best times that i needed in order to grow up so um losing 3 years like i said not losing but 
letting go of three years is not a big time in order to start something new. So giving your time is the most healthy thing. But if I look at it from the other side as a perspective, like I said, I didn't come across any negative people in this case, but for people who have and people who feel negative about refugees, um, I, I would like for them to know, I think that people are really trying to integrate. Mm-hmm. I, I can promise that people are trying to get used to it. And I don't think anybody comes here just because just for the sake of it, just because they want to, just because it's, it's not fun. I can promise that. And um, so people are trying to integrate and people are trying to get used to their environments. Um, yes, there, there's a lot of hard work behind that, I think, psychologically. Um, I don't think you can see it physically. I, I don't think you can see someone struggling physically when you're trying to get used to a new environment. But inside their heads and inside of their own homes, there's a lot of struggles going on. So, yeah. I I really appreciate you saying those words. I think that's extremely um, heartfelt and important to hear because I think you're right. Like it's very easy to read things on the media or just see someone um, for their face and not recognize kind of the struggle mm-hmm. and kind of the efforts that's going in behind it as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. I do want to say thank you a lot to the university that I am now enrolled in. I think that um, the people I met there are my closest friends now. So um, having met them, having come across these people through inclusion or through just the program I'm starting or just in any way to any person that whom I've met through Utrecht University, this includes you and this includes everybody in the podcast team that I met Um they have made my life much happier and easier here in the Netherlands and they have gave me a purpose to start doing something for myself so I want to say thank you about that Uh, so so sweet um I'm really glad that you've been able to come on and um it means a lot that you're all able to really share your stories because I understand it's so personal and like no one other than yourselves know what it's like to go through it um and it's Mm -hmm. just it's it's extremely um touching that you're willing to share everything Mm -hmm. that you are and I also just want to thank you for sharing everything that you have Mm -hmm. um and it's really interesting to hear your story and I'm still just like so interested that you're a violin (laughs) um teacher I think it's so so cool thank you um and yeah I'm just I'm just really happy that you've got into a really um nice master's that hopefully inshallah you're gonna enjoy and it'll be good thank you so much Melina Thank you so much to our guest Fatima. It was such a pleasure to speak with her and I would just like to say a massive thank you to all of the guests from this inclusion series. It's been so wonderful to hear from you all and to learn so much from your experiences and we are so grateful that you were happy to share this with us. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this small series as well. Please feel free to check out the links in the box for more information on how to help refugees or to just learn more about the different situations going on. We hope you take care and we will see you on the next one.